From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, Mike Lieberman. What's wrong with revenue? Thanks for joining me today. This is episode 18, how to go from 0.5% conversion rate to 5% conversion rate. Um, really appreciate the feedback from last week and the change in show format today. We gave Eric the day off. We're joined by the content and content strategy director here at Square Two Marketing, Bob McCarthy. Bob, say hi to everybody. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me back, Mike. No problem, Bob. You were a really popular guest the last time. So uh, back by popular demand, here you are. And uh, look at you. Like, is, I think those are water skis behind you, aren't they? I mean, we do all the skiing in the McCarthy household. You know, <laughs> uh -huh. so a little, little coffee on the side. You might see a St. Bernard walk through with a, a jug of something uh, saucy. But uh, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Great. So uh, grab a, uh, a uh, Wiener Schnitzel and a, a Jägermeister for me and we'll, we'll get right into it. Um, so uh, for a little bit of housekeeping, check out the show on YouTube, subscribe to it on YouTube. You can go to the Square Two Marketing YouTube channel to find all the episodes of What's Wrong With Re Re Revenue. You can also get it on our website at the bottom of our website. There's a link. Uh, What's Wrong With Revenue. Click on it. You can subscribe to the show and we will email you pre-show uh, updates on what we're going to talk about, and we'll email the show right to your inbox post-show, no problem. You can also submit questions. Uh, the questions that we do have and the questions we'll cover today are all from those submitted through that page. And you can catch us on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, iTunes, podcast, uh, Stitcher, Podbean, uh, anywhere there's a podcast, the What's Wrong With Revenue podcast is there. So check us out there. Big so Podbean fan. Podbean fan. Sure. Why yeah. not? Right. <laughs> why not? So uh, real quick, uh, we're going to talk about conversion rates. How do you basically drive more leads from your website? We have a great case study from a real client for you today. And a lot of you might be joining into the show because you need more leads. And obviously one of the fastest way to generate leads is to do a better job converting visitors who are already on your website from anonymous visitors to marketing qualified lead. This is one of the things we ask prospects really early on in our process, how many people are coming to your website? I really consider it an asset to be optimized. And most people have a decent amount of website traffic. You could have a couple thousand, you could have eight, nine, 10,000 people coming to your website. And then we look at their conversion rate and it's 0.2%, 0.5%, 0.8%. And that's really not where it needs to be. And the fastest way to generate leads without a doubt is to improve that site-wide conversion rate. And that's what we're going to spend most of our time talking about today. Yes, those will probably be early buyer journey or top of pipeline leads. Um, but if they're nurtured properly, 
they can easily move down through your sales process and through their own buyer journeys and become new customers for your, for your business in no time. And we will actually talk about different types of conversion strategies at different stages in the buyer journey. Bob is an expert at the buyer journey and, and leveraging different types of content offers to drive conversions. Um, we'll spend a little bit of time on that. We'll also talk about some best practices around landing page design and landing page conversion. And we'll talk about where to put CTAs on your website so you can drive a higher conversion rate. And we'll actually go into a little bit of what an optimization plan looks like um, once your uh, website is launched. So Bob, anything you want to add to that? It's a pretty big agenda today, so we'll have to power through it. It's huge and it's intimidating. But um, I mean, the one thing I would add is that I know when we talk about, you know, conversion rates, people automatically jump to the, and we will discuss this, I'm sure at length, the length between a CTA to a landing page to a form. You know, I try to think of it more, you know, a little bit more broadly, which is that, you know, um, trying to streamline the path for your visitors uh, from the pages that they hit to where we think they need to go. And uh, even if that is just ultimately them raising their hand for a phone call. Uh, so um, yeah, I think of it a bit more broadly. So hopefully you'll, you'll probably you'll probably hear me discussing it in some of those terms as we move forward. Yep. And if you're watching us live and you have a question, you can hit us up on the Q&A button at the bottom of the Zoom uh, session. If you're on Facebook, you can hit us up on a Facebook question too. Honestly, we're doing our best to keep an eye on Facebook. If you really want to make sure we see your question, you can hit us up on Zoom. That's going to be the best way to do it. If you do post a question to Facebook, I'll probably follow up with you afterwards and give you the answer. Also, Bob, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the show last week, we had an Easter egg, right? You know what an Easter egg is, don't you? I do. Yep. It's a little hidden prize for those who are extra special in terms of their viewing habits. And we actually got some traction on our Easter egg last week. So we're going to do it again. Make sure you stick around for the show to pick up our Easter egg. And you may actually find an opportunity to do something special with Square too. So without any further ado... I want to talk a little bit about uh, gated versus ungated, because this is really less of a conversion tactic. It's more of a back-end strategy conversation that I think we ought to have with our fans here so that they understand when and how to make that decision, gated versus ungated. It can be a little tricky. I know, Bob, you spend a lot of time with our clients helping them figure out gated versus ungated. When is it appropriate? Maybe you could share some information with the crew here on um, our thinking and your thinking specifically to help them make that gated or ungated decision. Yeah. And I mean, I, Mike, you know, I mean, I'm a ungated evangelist uh, just to get right into it. And it's part of the reason why I brought up that, uh, you know, right off the top, like, hey, my, my thinking about you know, conversion rate optimization is sometimes a little bit different because not gating content changes that conversation a bit. But, um, you know, I'll just, the, the long and short of it is this, you know, I truly believe that if you want to nurture prospects, visitors on your website and turn them into customers, you, you need to educate them and educate as many of them as possible with your best content. And I kind of see gates as a roadblock, you know, um, you know, just if, you know, Mike, we've had this conversation before, which is that if I put a tip sheet or I put a case study of all things behind uh, a gate, and even if it was to perform at an astounding 20%, you know, 
that's 80% of your visitors are like, nah, I don't want that. And you haven't had the opportunity to educate them. So I, I do prefer to give people as much content as possible without asking anything from them so that they learn to love it. They see how good we or our clients are at what we do and that they want to continue to engage with us. And we just sort of seamlessly carry them through the buyer journey till they're ready to say, hey, I'd like to talk to you. I've been following along and you know, you, you seem to know your stuff. So, so let's chat. The caveat is that I do understand that um, there are times when you want to collect something. And so we do often look at uh, assets and say like, you know, yeah, let's, let's gate that. It becomes sort of a, a case by case scenario. Um, I'll just give you an example of, you know, webinars. It's still a natural thing to gate. You can want to send people the uh, information uh, for the, for the length, the follow-up. They generally don't mind giving you that. It's not a big deal. Um, you put a lot of effort into an ebook, you know, uh, sure, go ahead. Maybe just don't ask for a lot of information. So um, in general, big fan of not gating, but I think there are times to discuss when it's appropriate and when maybe you're not asking too much from someone, especially if it's just maybe an email and like a, you know, a name. Yeah, those are all real, real good comments. Uh, to add to that, I've always looked at gated and non-gated as kind of a, uh, a business strategy. I mean, if, if, if your business is really trying to generate leads, marketing qualified leads, and I'm not mm -hmm. talking about sales qualified leads or sales opportunities, but if you're trying to build new contacts and build up your prospect database, and that's really important to the business for whatever reason, then you probably want to gate more content than not, right? That's the, the exchange of contact information for content is I feel like it's the whole oldest dirt from a marketing perspective. It's probably not that old, but it seems really old. Um, we've been executing that kind of approach for a long time. Um, might not be bad for you, right? If, if, if those are your objectives, if you're a marketing person and your CEO has said like, hey, get me, get me new contacts, then that might not, might not be yeah. a bad idea. Drive as many people to your website as possible. And even though to your point, it's gonna be a lower percentage of people who convert, you'll still start collecting those leads and you'll be fulfilling your, your, your obligation to, to your, your boss there. Yeah. Um, if your objective is, is, is sales opportunities and high qualified leads, you know, people who are ready to talk to sales, then I might consider a different, a different approach. One that is more non-gated because then to Bob's point, you are sharing information with many more people and uh, if the website and your other marketing is doing a good job, everyone should know how to get in touch with you, right? Contact us, schedule a meeting, you know, schedule a demo, schedule a consultation or a free assessment. It should be obvious that when they are ready to talk to you, it, it's easy to click a button and, and, and have that conversation. Um, then, then, then educate them and share information and don't gate it and, and you know, invite them to things that are ungated and, and really do a good job building your brand, telling your story, uh, educating them and, and, and working hard to differentiate your, your company and, and really build up a lot of value. It's, it's almost like two sides of the same coin, right? Yeah. I think I, I'm sure you could also, I'm sure you could also blend that a little bit and, and we can talk a little bit about, I mean, that's kind of what we do at Square Two. We generally ungate a lot of early stage content and then gate mid and late stage buyer journey content. So that's, that's an option also, right? 
And that, yeah, it is. And I think that that's actually like, we're always like singing harmony here. That was exactly kind of where I was going to go. So that's a nice intro to it, which is that when you gate that early content, you know, I think some too often historically people have looked at it like, great, a lead. And it's just like, but like, what kind of lead is that? I downloaded right. a tip sheet. I'm not ready to buy from you. I just right, wanted to read right. some stuff. And so when you do blend it and you say, you know, here's a, a, a you know, something that's a little bit further along and a little bit closer to, you know, somebody being ready to buy, then at the very least at that point, they're much closer to being someone that is, uh, you can approach, you know, in sales mode or, you know, start to consider a true lead. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if, if someone is encouraging you to generate as many marketing qualified leads as possible, regardless of quality, I think that's a conversation that you probably need to have uh, around your own strategy. You know, like, yeah. Do you really want reps wasting their time with people who don't want to talk to you yet? Because if they are early in their buyer journey, that's probably who they are. I, I, I know of one company, a software company specifically, that was calling people that downloaded white papers and they were calling them and emailing them and, and leaving messages. And, and, you know, I'm not sure how effective the effective use of the reps time is to do that kind of bird dogging on people that aren't really ready to talk to them. So it's kind of what we're saying, right? Yeah. And you, you could also argue, Mike, that by doing that, by unleashing the sales team on people that aren't quite ready, you're actually maybe having the opposite effect. It's a little annoying. And maybe I don't want to do business with somebody that's like so persistent and coming. I know where you are. I'll come to you. So, you know, there, there are things to consider there. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, let's, so we, we've been kind of alluding to this buyer journey concept a couple of times in our initial comments about gated versus non-gated, but maybe you could help our uh, uh, audience here understand a little more about how the buyer journey is relevant to conversion and, and how putting the right piece of content in front of the right person at the right stage of the buyer journey does improve the conversion rate. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, from the standpoint of just trying to understand your prospects and the questions they have and uh, creating content around those questions and to answer those, you know, you, you know, there is a, a, a school of thought that is, you know, sometimes we can get too, too caught up in like, this is this phase of the buyer journey. This is this phase. And it's really just all about answering questions because, you know, as, as we've discussed in the past, people are just always jumping around. And so if you know the questions that you're answering and you can create content around that and put it in front of them, then, you know, listen, if you're putting together content early in the buyer journey, a blog post, you still have the opportunity to convert them and collect information from them. I would just argue that you should make it voluntary. So, you know, we, I think we do this with square two and I've recommended with clients, which is like, go ahead, write great blog posts or put together a tip sheet or a white paper and ungate it. And on that landing page, just, you know, Hey, you love this, want more of this content, right. we'll send it to you automatically, you know, right. but it all starts with, for me, it all starts with answering those questions, you know, through persona work and through buyer journey work that you know that they need answered and creating the content for them when they're at, at those different spots, when they're, when those different questions are coming into mind. Agreed. Right. So we've, we promised that we would help people learn how to go from half a percent to 5%, right? So that's a big promise, Mike. It's a big promise. I know, but I want to, I want to make sure that we live up to that. So let's just cover because we were now we're like bouncing around a lot and I want to try yeah. to like try to focus a bit right so we're suggesting 
maybe ungating early stage buyer journey content, right? Um, also, there are some things you can do with ungated content that you probably couldn't do a couple of years ago. Like we, you might remember, we ran that experiment on the, the content that was a big page. And on the page, we had, a, we had a personalized chat that basically followed the content experience down the page. And the chat encouraged people to share their contact information as they were digesting it, right? For, for more information, right? right? So it's kind of an innovative, interesting way to drive a conversion, even though it's a chat conversion instead of a, a, a chat-enabled conversion instead of a traditional form conversion, it's a conversion nonetheless. Um, there are things like that that you can do that are a little more experiential in terms of the visitor's uh, uh, experience on your website, right? So think about how you're gating and not gating, right? Um, make sure that your content is geared to the questions people have at the different stages of their buyer journey. It's, I, I think what you're saying is it's okay to maybe gate things that are deeper in the buyer journey because they're a little more open to sharing more information with you and, and eventually having a conversation with you when they are ready to be a legitimate and high quality sales lead like webinars, right? We constantly, we, we continually share the idea of a webinar or, an, or some kind of virtual event, ask me anything, office hours, uh, even stuff like we're doing here as a middle stage buyer journey offer that can potentially be gated. If I'm going to attend something with someone, I really don't have a problem sharing my contact information to register for the event so they know how many people are coming. I, I might not share my, my financial information with them, but I'm certainly happy to tell them who I am and what company I'm from and, you know, maybe my website and, and title. So, you know, I can leverage a, mid, a middle stage buyer journey offer that could potentially be gated, even though all my early stage buyer journey offers are ungated. Right. So I think, go yeah. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I think you, one of the things you tapped into is that, um, you know, if you want to do gates, if you want to collect information, um, it's maybe think outside the box a little bit, you know, think beyond, think about what you've been doing and how can you come at it from a different angle that doesn't feel so intrusive to the person on the other side, but still gets you some of what you need. And, you know, I think, you know, that was really where we've come up with a few ideas internally. You know, you mentioned the one about using, uh, you know, chat in order to engage with people. Uh, another option that we've used, which is somewhat similar is, yes, you put together a big ebook that you ungate or a big guide well, people don't often want to sit there on the page and read it. Offer them the opportunity to download, the, to have the PDF sent to them. You know, they can read it if they want. You can send them the PDF. Um, I recently worked with a client that uh, was gating everything. They were doing tons and tons of eBooks. And when I looked into the data, I think this is probably someplace we'll dive into shortly. When we looked into the data, nobody was downloading the individual eBooks, kind of probably for the reasons we're talking about here. But they had these, uh, they had come up with these interesting bundles where they were putting together like an entire series of ebooks that were converting like crazy. So just going from one single ebook to bundling together, which we've also bundled content. Now all of a sudden, you know, that threshold of like, eh, is this worth it? People are like, hell yeah, this is worth it. I'll give you my email in order to get four, e you know, four ebooks or a bunch of content. So, you know, just thinking a little bit differently about how and what you want to get and how you want to approach it so that it, everyone feels good about it. We all feel good and, and no one feels like, you know, that, uh, you know, they have to fill in like a, a, a fake email address or something or go incognito, then, then, you know, you can get the most of, best of both worlds. Yeah, great. 
Uh, couldn't agree more. I think a lot of people do look at this as like an all or nothing approach. Like I'm gating everything or I'm gating nothing. And I don't think that's the way to go. So like if you've, you know, if you've been gating everything and it's not working, you obviously have the wrong content and it's overly gated. If you're gating nothing, then you have no way to collect any kind of uh, uh, lead or sales opportunity information. Like that's probably not great either. Eventually there has to be some exchange of information when value has, has been established. And, you know, the buyer journey methodology that we use does give you a framework for deciding what offers could be gated and ungated and where in the buyer journey do they, do they fall? So if we talked about gated versus ungated, and if we gave the listeners some interesting and creative ideas around when to gate and when not to gate and how to gate, Talk to everybody about the buyer journey, right? How does that inform your recommendations to clients around what offers to make and whether to gate it or not? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think probably a lot of people are familiar with, you know, the concept of the buyer journey. When we talk to clients about the content to create within it, um, I hate to say that it goes, you know, something from, general to you know much more specific but it oftentimes does follow follow that you know early on in that buyer journey we're asking talking to the clients about like you know what what are the things that prospects need to know early on and you know it often is some somewhat general information about you know why do i need this or here's my problem what's the solution and honestly that is oftentimes information that they can find in a lot of places. And so those tend to be things, whether it's a tip sheet or um, an infographic or, um, you know, video, obviously, that I don't want, I, I want to start positioning us or our clients as thought leaders and, and we know our stuff. And I'll say to them like, hey, this is something that we should just be giving away. It's, it's sort of um, table stakes that we show that we know what we're talking about and we can educate you on it. Even as you start moving a little bit further through, one of the things that I find to be, um, it's, a, it's a big bugaboo for me is uh, seeing case studies, which, you know, a little bit further along and somebody's now kind of evaluating, it's you versus somebody else. And I'm saying, I'm going to gate this. I, I don't really want you, all of you to know what an awesome job I did. I only want those of you willing to give me information. It's like, no, 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 no. Everyone, please don't gate that. Every you want everyone that's willing to lead that to know what an you know what a fantastic job you did in a particular use case. Um, I think you know as you alluded to earlier, Mike. You know when you start getting into uh, certain areas that are answering very very specific questions, and they require sometimes uh, a conversation or a demo or a trial. Those become natural places to collect information because it's kind of required. I. I need to have a little bit more of a, a discussion with somebody about like, all right, what are your specific problems? And this is how I can help you. Or, okay, I want to do a demo and I can maybe give you a video of how it generally works, but it's much better if I can run you through how it would work for you and personalize it a bit more. Mm -hmm. And so the further you get into the buyer journey and you have very specific questions that need answered, it starts to make sense that, you know, you should give me some information and I can give you much uh, inf uh, answers that are much more specific to your particular use case and your problems to see if like this is going to be a good fit. I think that's a great, 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 great point. And it leads me to a topic that 
circles back to our very first uh, concept around quality leads versus like maybe not so quality leads, right? People who are not really interested in talking to a sales rep versus people that are ready to talk to a sales rep. And that, that and we work with clients very frequently on these late stage buyer journey offers, right? So most clients come to us and, and when we look at what their late stage buyer journey offers are, it's, well, contact us, it's speak to a rep, it's schedule a demo, get a free trial, like a free assessment. And I think most people are pretty savvy that those are sales calls in sheep's clothing and not even particularly good sheep's clothing these days. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk to a rep yet. I don't want to see a demo. Like, I'm still trying to decide if this is right for me. And this is an example of a, of a, a gated offer that can be delivered pretty easily and drive more value for the client. There really isn't a ton of value in a, in a demo. It's really all about you and the software you want to show them, right? Like, yeah, they're going to see the software, but it's not customized to their issues at that point. It's a standard set of screenshots and everyone has been through these demos. They're not particularly fun or easy to follow. It's never usually a great experience. You know, the contact us, well, you know, get a quote, like those are just, I got to talk to a sales rep. They're going to try to sell me. I'm just not ready for that yet. There's a tremendous opportunity to add value, even at the late stage in a gated scenario that drives a conversion. Like, And I think we probably do this pretty well. And we try to get our clients to do this well too. Like on our homepage, you can get a free website assessment. We will grade your website and tell you how your website is performing and tell you what you need to do to make it better, Right. Like, okay, we might talk to you when that's over about how we could help you with your website, but our initial objective of that, that offer is to help you learn where your website is underperforming. We have a relatively new one. We'll do a 13-point checkup on your HubSpot instance, you know, because we know a lot of people with HubSpot, their systems have kind of grown organically over the years, and they're a little unwieldy and maybe a little messy and haven't been set up properly. We'll go in and look at it and tell you what needs to be fixed about that. Again, you want to fix it on your own? Great. We helped you. You want us to help you fix it? Even better. But we're offering value to connect with us. And obviously, to your point, both of those offers are gated and appropriately, right? How could you grade my website if I don't tell you my website and who I am and how you can get in touch with me? Because I'd like to see your, the results of your website grade. And how can you look at my HubSpot instance if I don't tell you who I am and the and name of my company and how you would contact me? Like, it's more natural that those offers be gated and used to drive conversions in a more strategic way than what a lot of people do at that stage of the buyer journey. Any, any comments on that? Yeah. I mean, I think you're spot on. I, I do think not to, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, uh, but even long before I got here, I think Square Two always did a good job with that late stage buyer journey of do, trying to do something that added value beyond just like, Hey, let's talk, you know, and I think that comes from an understanding, and this is something we try to impress upon clients about that person or those people on the other side of the of the monitor, and that even if they are at a stage where they're evaluating you and, and maybe a competitor, um, they still might be a little bit reluctant to hit that contact me button. It, it's like you know, it's the last thing you want to do. It's in in the sense of like it's the last thing I want to do before I buy, and it's also I kind of know how it's going to go and. When you can offer somebody something that they know they're going to have this call and they're going to walk away from it, and it's an opportunity to you as a business to kind of show them what you bring to the table. It's a win-win situation. And, you know, um, 
I think the hard part for for clients and businesses is coming up with what are those creative ideas. You know, we have a client right now we're working with, and they make um, labels and stickers, and they happen to mention us. They're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we give all of we give the we give all of our prospective clients before they even sign anything like a role, like a proof, like a physical proof, not a digital one. Like you can see the sticker, you can see the label, and we'll send it out to them. We're just like, well, that, that's that should be an offer. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. send me your art file and I'll give you your roll of, you know, stickers or labels right now. You can see it in hand and, you know, and it's, it, you're not putting anyone out. It's something you do already. And I'm sure like, it's something that will, you'll be able to collect information on no problem. So anywhere that you can find value that you're providing to your prospects so that Yes, we're going to have a conversation, but you're going to get something out of it that's going to be a value to your business and help you move forward, whether it's with us or not. Um, you're just much more likely to convert on than simply like, let's talk. Yeah, I t totally agree. And if I, I think if if um, uh, the audience takes nothing away from what we've been talking about, that I think is huge, right? Because that will not only generate more conversions, but that will generate high quality sales ready conversions. If I'm getting my website scored, I'm pretty sure that these people feel like their website is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, right? If, if they're asking us to go into HubSpot and look at how their HubSpot was set up, I'm pretty sure they feel pretty, a decent amount of pain around the fact that it's not really the way it's supposed to be, right? And I think, I think one of the things that maybe connects this together with what we discussed earlier about buyer journey and gating or not gating is that let's say you're not gating or is if you have strong content for every stage of the buyer journey answering those questions that we discussed earlier and it's easy for people to find and maybe we'll, this is what we'll discuss when we get into optimization they can naturally go at their own pace from one piece to the next and there's something there and it just sort of you know even if they jump back there's just always like that sort of that next step that they can take that leads them to that point where it's and in, in finally here's this offer of like you know a website creator or whatever it may be and it kind of just creates a nice seamless path to them uh in order to to uh to help them convert more easily and in in perhaps at a higher rate yeah, agreed. Agreed. Okay, so I do have a couple questions, but before I get to the questions, I want to see if I can uh, talk about this client that we said we would share. So I'm going to share my screen. Everyone should be able to see this client, right? Um, I think everyone can see it. Steel is now diligent. This used to be a company called Compliance Wave. They were a client of ours uh, many years ago. This is actually the client I'm talking about that we took from 0.5 to 5% uh, conversion rate. So interestingly enough, even though this client was one we worked with a long time, they have some interesting offers here that drove this conversion rate. And specifically, they have this preview opportunity. So what this company does is it provides uh, small bite compliance content. Um, a lot of companies are obligated through regulations to provide compliance training and compliance training can be boring. It can be, uh, 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 it, it can be, it can take a lot of time. There, there are a lot of things, a lot of negatives and a lot of challenges associated with compliance training. 
Now, what Compliance Wave just figured out how to do was deliver these little bite-sized chunks of compliance information that was more engaging, more entertaining, more interactive, and checked all the boxes uh, around the, the specifically like uh, requirements associated with keeping your company compliant with whatever your particular issue was. And what they did that was really smart was they shared a piece of the library. So you don't have to necessarily become a client to get access to some of this information. They, were, they weren't, I, I'm not gonna say they were giving it away, but they were sharing it in a way that made it very interesting for people to engage with them. And here too, you can see, I remember specifically building this for them on the right, wanna see compliance pulse communication in action, scroll down to see a sample plan. And you could literally come down here, click on this and see a sample plan. So back to the ungating concept, they were opening up their, what, what they considered previously their proprietary compliance information and giving people an opportunity to take a look at it, to sample it and to see how it was delivered, how effective it was. Um, you know, here they're showing an animated module of their compliance uh, uh, library that someone could take advantage of. Here, uh, a follow-up newsletter that they were offering, view a newsletter. So they, they really took a whole different approach to their content and, and started sharing it with people that were interested in it so they could get a better idea of what the experience was going to be like. They did a lot of cartoons. Here's a sample comic that you could take a look with. Um, and then to Bob's point, here's a case study at the end. They're not gating their case studies. They're letting people see this information. And it really contributed to people uh, wanting to talk to sales, scheduling an appointment to go into, the, into more detail of what kind of uh, content was available. And it really was, was pretty groundbreaking at the time. Again, this was a client that we worked with a while ago, and it unlocked a whole bunch of opportunities for this client. If you remember last week, we talked about helping our ability to help clients get to their goals. This client wanted an exit also. And you can see they got the exit. It was called Compliance Wave. It's now Steel, which is now Diligent. They may have actually exited twice since we worked with them, but they were interested in, in selling this business. And a robust sales and marketing machine was the last thing that was missing for this ownership group and, and why they engaged with us. So I shared that with you because, again, this was a, an innovative approach to a company that had a lot of content, unlocked it and started sharing it with people. And the result was a much, uh, much, much, much higher conversion rate. And I think that's a pretty good example of some of the stuff that we've been talking about today. Um, Bob, before I get into questions, I want to ask you, um, this came up with a, a prospect that I was talking to. And the question was, how much content do I need? And, you know, like, you know, here are the amount of leads I want to generate. Give me that, give me an idea in terms of um, quantity of content. And then we can talk about this, maybe the mix of that content. You know, if I have aggressive lead gen goals, like how, how much content do I need to create and what type of blend should I be thinking about? Yeah. Um, so at a minimum, you need something for each stage of the buyer journey, right? Uh, so, and so we will often, so for us, you know, at, at a minimum, that would be if we start off with somebody, they've got no content and they need it generated and they need it done quickly. It'll most likely be in the neighborhood of four, four pieces to cover um, 
something early, maybe a couple of things, uh, maybe something in the middle, maybe something for sales, like even if it's like a one pager and then, you know, something at the, at the end. Um, and so that way there's at least that opportunity for someone as you're, they're looking to have questions answered to have all those, um, you know, chain, everything's linked up together. They can, they can just take that natural next step. It's not often the way people buy, but it's all there. Um, so I, I tend to think like that's a pretty good starting point. If what we often find is that we'll do that and that's good for a couple of months. And then it's like, you know, because the other great thing about those four pieces, it also works great for a campaign. If you want to do an outbound campaign to yeah. a list or whatever, it works great for that. But okay, you've now had it for a couple of months and you've got some CTAs on your website, you did your campaign and what, what now? Because you send out your email blast or whatever and not everyone's going to convert on it and you want to maybe touch up with them again, you need more content. So yeah. I mean, I think if you can continue to hit that cycle of like every couple of months, you know, filling in or filling out your buyer journey with fresh content and perhaps um, supplementing that with, I don't know, we, we blog a lot. I think you can get by probably with, you know, blogging a couple of times a month if you're doing really great blogs. If you could supplement it with something like that, you at least have content that you can offer up to people in different formats across different channels. I mean, that's, yeah. that's my take. Yeah, I mean, and, and I would just, you know, add on to like, it has a lot to do with your goals, right? If you have a, I think Bob's right for good, solid conversion opportunities. If you have nothing, it's going to be good to get you out of the gate, but you're going to have to keep feeding that machine. Right. And I think if you have aggressive goals, then you might want to look at more like eight pieces of, of, of content ungated and gated um, out of the gate. And then if you have aggressive goals, I would continue to drive additional pieces of content on a monthly basis and wrap it into a campaign you know email it out to your audience post it on social post it on the web, a new a new offer on the website you're gonna have people that come back and forth to the website multiple times i think a lot of people when they find websites they like they're like okay this was good and i read that okay oh wait a minute i'm i'm, I'm gonna do something else over here like Oh, wait a minute. What happened to that website? I looked at a couple of weeks ago. That was pretty good. Let me go back to that. If there's nothing new, there's no reason for them to stick around. Right. So, you know, at square two and for a lot of our clients, we're constantly creating new content. We're constantly rotating out underperforming content. We're constantly moving content around on the website to see what performs better. And Bob, you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, optimization. I mean, there's an, a whole, we probably could do a whole show about the requirements to optimize conversion over time. And, and, and you know, shutter content that isn't performing, replace it with new content that might perform better, move it to a better place. Like, okay, you thought it was gonna be good on this page, but let's move it to this other page and see how it does. You know, placement on the page is a, is a whole conversation on its own, right? Like, you know, typically we like to put at square two, we like to put other content offers at the bottom of our blog, but Sometimes I experiment with offers in the middle of the blog because who mm -hmm. knows if they're going to even get to the bottom of the blog, right? A lot of people start reading, they get tired or they get distracted. They never get to the bottom. So do I need to move this CTA to the top? Do I need to move this to the middle? Like all of those experiments need to be part of how you go from 0.5 to 5%. It's a, it's a, it, it should be a constant set of optimization exercises and experiments that are getting run on your website with your content around the CTAs, around the landing page. Like we haven't even touched much on 
you know, standard performance rates, but, you know, many of our clients come to us with site-wide conversion rates that are 1% or less. I think if you're looking to know like, well, what's a good site-wide conversion rate? I think if it's one and a half to two and a half, that would be pretty good. And anything over that, I think would be excellent, right? You're talking about conversion rates across the entire website. When you're looking at individual pages, specifically landing pages, I mean, they typically convert in the 25 to 30% range. And again, a good one might be 30 to 40%. And we've had some really stellar landing pages convert at 50 to 60%, right? If the page is very specific and it tells a really good story and you're not asking for too much information, you probably could drive a a higher conversion rate on, an, on a specific page. Again, all that requires a lot of experimentation and a lot of testing and a lot of work to make sure that the elements are on those pages and on the site to continuously improve your, your, your conversion rate. Now, let me make one more point and then Bob, you can chime in. I really want guys to not get too bent on averages, right? If you Google, What's a good site-wide conversion rate? You're going to get plenty of good articles about what a good site-wide conversion rate is. Honestly, I don't think any of those articles really make much difference to you specifically, right? And your website specifically. You have a unique business. You're in a specific industry. You have unique customers. You're, you're, you know, your your content might be unique. You're, you're a lot. Hopefully, a lot about your business is, is unique and different from other people. So averages become less interesting to me in terms of giving you guidance around where you should be. What I would, same thing for landing pages, Google, what's a good landing page, you'll, you'll read a lot of articles. Instead, I would encourage you to benchmark and baseline your current conversion rate, site-wide and for specific pages, and then work really hard to improve the number month over month. So it's not necessarily about what, what other people are doing or what industry averages are said to be, but you're working to get your site better. You're working to get your pages better. You, you may be 1%, get to 1.2% next month. Get to 1.4% the month after that. Get to 1.8, you know, two months down the line and you will be driving incremental improvement. The averages are irrelevant. You really just need to make sure that you're doing better month over month. And honestly, that's kind of the approach Square two takes. Let's just make sure we're doing better month over month. And ultimately we get some really successful results like the one we've been talking about today with Compliance Wave. Uh, that was a, that was a good chunk of uh, good chunk of info there, Mike. I, I I think I had like a bunch of tangent thoughts that just came and went, and like so I have to go with maybe the, the most recent one, which is that, um, yeah, people can get caught up in averages and numbers. In um, you know, it's funny because you'll hear people brag about their conversion rate and they'll say, "Well, it's this." Okay, but. All right, but did it turn into business? You know, so there's a lot of considerations too. If you have a five percent conversion rate, but site wide, but it's um, you know turning into business that is meeting your goals, well, maybe that's not so bad. There's room for improvement for sure. Maybe as kind of what you have to look at, like okay, well, where's the drop off? Like we had a conversation with someone the other day where they had been like, oh, they were converting like crazy on on their um, on their demo on you know a hand raiser. Well, okay great and they're just like but not elsewhere what well, turns out they didn't have early buyer journey content in other places so it's like yeah you've got a lot of people coming ready to work with you uh, or you know and they want to learn more if you really want to turn that into like more business like you need to have that content a little bit earlier on 
and maybe that's going to ruin some of your your conversion numbers, but it's going to bring in a much broader like line of business. And, um, you know, same thing. If you have a great conversion rate, but it's just a bunch of people that aren't a good match for your business, that's when you have to start looking at like one, what are you offering? Um, is your message there, right? And those optimizations you were talking about, sort of picking them apart and finding out where's the broken link that like people are converting, but they're not right. It's not a good yeah. fit, that type of thing. Yeah. Good point. Let's answer a couple questions and then we'll uh, wrap everything up for everybody. So I got a question here, which we may have covered, but I'll ask it. We can kind of beat it up a little bit more. This is from Marty in uh, San Francisco. How do I go about knowing what content to create, what style of content to use, which we really didn't talk too much about style or media. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit. And uh, he wrote, uh, this is big. How frequently to publish new content, which we did talk a little bit about uh, in terms of related to goals and objectives, but maybe we could dig into the style um, part of his question, like video, uh, animation, infographic, ebook, white paper, tip sheet. How do you, how do you feel about th those kinds of questions? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think um, there's obviously trends. This is popular and you can jump on trends. Uh, the, the work for, for me comes in, in doing getting to know your personas, building out your IC, you know, your, uh, your ICP, getting to know who they are and what they want. One of the questions I always ask clients when building up a, per, a buyer persona is, is just what you ask, like, what kind of content do they like? What do they like to do? You know, if you're telling me that they are super strapped for time and you can't even get in front of them and then you're saying, well, and we made these 25 page eBooks, I don't know that that's a good match. Right. You know, maybe we want smaller content, bite right. size. Maybe it's highly visual. Video might make sense here. So, you know, getting to know your personas and kind of their wants and needs, um, you know, really goes a long way in 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 determining that. Um, in general, what I do try, even if if someone says like they love eBooks, they love eBooks, I do still try to mix it up. I think you can make people a little. Um, you know, content blind by just getting the same thing over and over. And, and there is no blanket statement. So um, I always think that it's good to, to mix it up anyways. And even if you're, um, we have another client that I, they were like, their, their, um, their persona is brewers. And they had said like, we want to do this giant guide, this giant ebook that I'd never written anything so long ever before in my career. I was like, you're crazy. And I tried telling them they were crazy. And they proved me wrong. They went to a show and they printed up of all things, like 30 hard copies. And they said they just flew out of there. I said, like, well, what the hell do I know? You know, but they did agree that we should put together a nice variety. And so we made a shorter version of it. And so what type go for a blend, but start off with that thing of like, what, you know, what do I think these people want and need and have time to, to dive into and then use your data afterwards to, to prove out whether it was right or wrong. And, you know, should you continue with that or, or try something else? Great. Good one. Um, I got a question here from Lindsay in Austin, Texas. And again, I think we answered some of this. We have a ton of content and we're pretty tight on what's working and what's not. But my question is, when should we sunset something and what should we do with it? So I think that's, if you're creating a lot of content, I think this is a relevant question because not everything is going to be a home run, right? You're going to have some stinkers in there probably. And like, what do you do with those? And when do you take them down? Yeah, I think you have to evaluate. Uh, so sometimes it's clear when you should sunset something. Uh, 
it's just outdated uh, and it's just it's about a topic that's no longer relevant at all and you can't do anything with it go ahead and sunset it sometimes what happens in you know we we do content audits and people out there you can do your own content audit in which we try to take a look at the content and really evaluate like it, it is this still relevant even if you made it five years ago and still answers great questions that matter to your prospects and try to identify um one is a simple update can that ebook just be updated and now it's all of a sudden relevant again and it's new and fresh and um or is it simply you know what it didn't work as an ebook but maybe that would work as a video or maybe that would work as an infographic or or what else can you use it as yes go ahead retire sunset that ebook but can you leverage it because you put the work in on it can you leverage it to to make something else that maybe will be a, a bigger hit with people yeah uh, we could perhaps put it into the sales library, right? I mean, there may be a situation where a sales rep is talking to a prospect and this is the perfect piece of content and they should have access to it to, to completely, you know, stick it in the bottom drawer of your desk, metaphorically speaking, might not be the best idea, but, you know, maybe it also doesn't need to be at the, you know, uh, on the on the homepage, right? If it is outdated right. or maybe a little uh, less current than some of the newer things, or even if you want to try something newer, I think there's, lots of interesting things that you could potentially do with it. Um, also bundling, right? We've done some mm -hmm. bundling where we've taken something that maybe on its own isn't as valuable as it used to be and bundle it together with three or four other things and then offer that as kind of a, uh, what do you call it uh, in the music industry? Box set. A box set, right. A box <laughs> set of, of content that, that people can get access to. We've done that a couple of times. I think that's a a good idea when you're going to sunset content for, yeah. for sure just put it together with some other things that, that might be valuable to prospects and, and we're talking about this of like oh it didn't work but the opposite can be true too which is like it was a runaway hit you had you know you did something great yeah. with it but you're like uh this is from 2018 well just update that sucker yeah. ride that hot hand and like if it's and we've done that a few times where it's like this is still relevant and just make the 2022 version of right. it you know right um and and make it updated you know you continue to 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 leverage it right awesome so that pretty much covers the questions just to recap how to go from 0.5 to 5 percent conversion rate you obviously want to look at your gated and ungated strategy and make sure you're ungating the right things and gating the right things you want to make sure that you've looked at your buyer journey and you have content educational content for every stage of the buyer journey. You know, Bob talked about high level buyer journey. If you're interested in more detailed buyer journey, then there's the cyclonic buyer journey that's also on our web, on the Square2 website that you could take a look at to see that the, the more specific stages of the buyer journey that you might want to consider content for. Uh, experimenting with different types of content that would be gated and are appropriately gated, like webinars and office hours and videos and podcasts and and even start looking at some of those late stage buyer journey offers that would be a little more interesting than demos and, and, and assessments and trials and uh, contact us, get a quote, those kinds of things that are pretty traditionally used. Uh, all of those adjustments are gonna help drive your conversion rate up and then start looking at how it's being optimized, where it's being placed, how it's being updated. You know, Do you have the right mix of media? Uh, based on your personas, all, all of these things are going to come together to really help you improve your conversion rate. And like I said a couple minutes ago, dig in on the optimization the, and the experimentation. Make sure that you're regularly, every single month, 
looking at the performance of this content, moving things around, try, trying to improve the performance. Um, it's not going to be that hard, honestly. And as long as you're patient uh, and you're applying the right levers, I think you can get yourself from where you are now to where you want to be. Bob, anything you want to add? No, I mean, other than, I think we, I think we're, we're empathetic to the, to the fact that, you know, we, we deal with clients a lot in all of this from the content creation to the buyer journey and personas. And then now I have to optimize, like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work, but, you know, I think if you can break it down into small pieces and go one step at a time, it's worthwhile. It, it, it pays off. And I guess it's like anything in life. If you try to um, dive into uh, too much at once, then uh, it feels overwhelming. But if you just take a little bit of time, you'll, you'll eventually get there. No one ever said it was going to be easy, Bob. <laughs> they did not. And if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Right? That's absolutely true. And I, we would not have jobs. So, you know, so the, there's at least that for us. I don't know why my video automatically stopped working either. So see that even we have technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. So uh, let me offer the special Easter egg for anyone that has stuck around and is interested in uh, finding out what that special offer is today. I am willing to look at your website and help you specifically with uh, your own um, conversion strategy. So if you want to email me, mike at square2marketing.com, mike at square2marketing.com. I will be happy to spend a couple minutes with you. I'll look at your website. I'll look at your content strategy. I'll give you some recommendations on how to improve your conversion rate across your website and across all your marketing. Um, no obligation, no questions asked. If afterwards you want to go on your way, I'd be perfectly happy to help as long as you say thank you, Mike, and I uh, appreciate your time and effort. Uh, it's all good from our perspective. So if you're interested, just shoot me an email in the subject line, put conversion rate or Easter egg or something like that. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, Bob, I really appreciate you joining me today as my special guest. Thanks Next week, no problem. Next week, we're going to be talking about how to go from 10 leads a month to 100 leads a month. What do you think about that, Bob? It sounds impossible, Mike. I don't think you can do it. It sounds impossible, right? Well, the, everything we're doing from a marketing perspective is extra challenging these days. But next week, we're going to unpack how we helped a company go from 100 lead, uh, 10 leads to 100 leads a month. It's possible if you do the things that we're going to talk about next week. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Again, check out the show on YouTube. Subscribe to it. Like us. Give us a comment. Uh, you can get access to the show on all the most popular podcast platforms. Again, like us, share us, subscribe to it. And if you're interested in submitting a question or getting all the shows in one place, you can check it out on our website, square2marketing.com. At the bottom, there's a link to uh, What's Wrong With Revenue. You can get everything you need there. Thanks so much for joining us, Bob. Thanks for standing in for Eric. You did an awesome job. And I will speak to all you guys next week. Thanks for joining.